Blog Talk Radio. We're having some technical difficulties. We'll be with you again. We're back up. I got it. I got it back. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Shemalek Mahilama Shemahezahilma Sunashenevoratfet Akuigen Mahilma Definitely going to be surprised. 
So mm-hmm. uh, that's what that's what makes uh, boxing, MMA, that's what makes it so great. Yep. It's always next week. It's always yep. another yep. week. Yep. Ty, what do you think of? Uh, excuse me. Um, I guess uh, Chacolito Gonzalez uh, took uh, um, Israel Gonzalez to the uh, mat uh, after 12 rounds. What do you think? Did did you happen to see that fight? Yeah, I did. I watched that fight and the main event. Um, uh, the main event with uh, Juan Francisco Estrada, El Gallo, who's one of my favorite fighters, along with Alexander Usyk, fighting uh, Carlos Quadras in a rematch of a very close fight they had uh, a few years back. Uh, Chuck and Israel Gonzalez won the undercard. Chuck Matito looked good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Israel Gonzalez is a young guy, and he's coming into his own, but he's not Chuck Matito's level, but he put up a good fight. But I thought uh, mm-hmm. Chuck Matito looked good. Uh, Juan Francisco Estrada went ahead and stopped Carlos Quadras in the 11th round. So that sets up a long-awaited rematch between uh, Francisco Estrada and Chocolatito, which occurred like seven years ago. Chocolatito won the decision. It was a great fight uh, held at, I think, at like 107. So uh, these these guys have kind of been on a collision course. As Chocolatito has moved up in weight, Juan Francisco Estrada has been chasing him up in weight. Uh, Trying to trying to get that rematch and in the process has made himself a pound for pound uh, candidate. He's, he's frequently listed in the lower half of the top ten pound for pound list. So uh, these are two, you know, Hall of Fame bound fighters who are on the collision course. They both did their part and won one last night. So it was, it was a great evening of fights. Good, good. Um, did you? Uh... Did you happen to get a hold of uh, see the? Uh, well, we just talked about uh, Bob. Did did you want a, a sip of the uh, of the two buck Chuck? Um, uh, sir, uh, Chris is serving up crow for us tonight. <laughs> that's, that's right. There's gonna be some leftovers too. <laughs> ah, Christ! I shot two of them today. I, I I know how to boil them and get all that feathers off. Ain't too bad. You guys might enjoy it. A little meat on a breast there, you know. <laughs> well, well, what'd you think of the fight? What'd you What'd you think of the fight? Did you, did you like the decision at the end? Somebody was watching another fight that made up those uh, uh, points. What the yeah, hell are yeah, they doing? Yeah, yeah. Lopez won that fight pretty cleanly. It was a great fight, though. Very, very tactical. I thought. Yeah, it, it, uh, Lomachenko didn't want to fight for five rounds. He he stayed out there in shadow box, you know, and he was afraid to move in. And then when he started moving in, look out for his head, man. He's a butter. He butts everybody. He comes in straight up with that head. Look out. But um, uh, the other guy had a had a better jab. He landed it more often, and. Um, uh, you know, and he 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 stopped uh, Lomachenko, you know, dead in his tracks a lot of times. And then when Lomachenko near the end of the fight, he started waking up a little bit, and he did pretty good. But um, uh, you got a right-hander against a left-hander, and and that that creates a lot of problems with the head. And and uh, and uh, I'm glad that fight didn't uh, didn't wasn't stopped at the end there. He got a bad cut on his eye about the eleventh round, I think it was. But uh, all in all, this kid's going to put on weight, and going, he's going to definitely put on five pounds and move oh, yeah. up to 140. He's, his shoulders are bigger. He, he can't fight at 135. He's done at that weight. And mm-hmm. uh, and then he, you know, and then he may even move up to welder if he gets to welder. He's only five eight, so he's not, you know, he's going to get out outreached by some of the bigger, stronger welders too. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's won most of his titles. He maybe can win one more and maybe the Wellerweight. Maybe. Mm-hmm. We'll see who's around at that time. Um, he's got, what, four belts but, now? Uh, yeah, I think. I forget. I, forget. I know he was, he, you know, he zoomed up for you. came out of nowhere, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and Bob Aram will carefully manage him. He'll watch mm-hmm. And promote him. He'll carefully manage him, and and the kid'll, you know, 
instead of fighting often like he does, I think Bob will pull him back a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, to, to to get better fights for him. So, you know, he's going to be a rich young man, which, you know, that's great. So, mm-hmm. But I, I think uh, I think he he's stronger. He's going to be stronger at 140. And he has, you know, and, and a much harder puncher. Yeah, they, he looked drawn the other night. He he was drawn as he he didn't look really uh, cut like he like he you know normally is. They didn't announce his fight weight what he weighed when he when the night of the fight they didn't announce it, but uh, he probably didn't put on that much. So anyway, let's see. What do you think? What do you think, uh, Ty? I agree with everything Dr. Chris said. In fact, Pino Lopez himself said, you know, maybe he'll stay and fight Devin Haney, but uh, he's looking to move to 140 within his next fight or two. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a young kid. He's 23. And, you know, he's he's big for the weight. He's bigger than Lomachenko. Lomachenko probably should be fighting at 130. Um, and, you know, I think part of the problem for Lomachenko, the reason why he didn't get his offense going, was obviously we knew about Tia Power, but he was quick, he has good timing, and he kept his jab going. He jabbed Lomachenko to the body, and he disrupted him, and he turned when Lomachenko turned, which is big. So whenever Lomachenko got that outside angle uh, from the southpaw stance that he loves, Tia Fimo turned with him. And a lot of times he would shoot a jab to Lomachenko's chest that would prevent him from getting that angle. So it was a very smart disciplined game plan by him. But I basically essentially agree with everything Dr. Chris said about it. Okay. He he sets the angle so that his jab is about four inches longer than normal. When he when he turns that shoulder forward and sets that angle, he can out jab a guy that's, you know, got four inches reach on him. Or at least he can match it. And uh, Lomachenko uh, he couldn't do anything with it. He just couldn't get in there. He didn't he was jabbing but he wasn't even coming close. And, uh, I, you know, the kid's good. The kid's good. He's got a lot of power. And he, he's going to be a good good guy to watch. It's going to be a pleasure watching him in years to come, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of good fighters out there. Now, I think the fight game's ready to break loose as soon as this damn virus is over. Mm-hmm. See, all the, all the Big Ten's playing again, Frank. Yeah. See that? See, Notre Dame. Penn State Day, win yeah. or lose. Uh, Notre Dame killed the pit. Yeah. Who? Notre uh, Dame? I think, no, no, no. Penn State. Oh, I think Penn State. Oh, lost Penn State. Today. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, they were going to go today. into overtime. Yeah, yeah, I was I was working. No, today. Notre Dame murdered Pitt. Yeah. Yeah. And Pitt hey, wasn't much. Pitt was. I know you're. I yes, know you're sir. confident to Pitt. Oh my gosh. All right. Um, I want to back up a little bit. Uh, last week, Ty, um, we spoke about uh, Jessica Andretti going against Caitlin uh, Cookian uh, mm-hmm. for the flyweight. She ended up pulling it off of the submission. Uh, I think that's her new weight. Uh, she's going to do her best there uh, to to you know go out of a title shot because it didn't look like she had any chance at um, uh, at the lower weight or the heavier weight, you know what I mean? The, the 15 or the 30. So it looks like 25s or stuff. We nailed that. But then jumping forward to this week, hello, UFC 254. Wow. versus Justin Gagey. Um, what a packed card, okay? And, right. and I want to start kind of from the back and work my way up if I got time. Um, and, you know, I, I'll just stick on the, uh, the, the main card. But Lauren Murphy over Lillian Shervenko, okay, both tough girls. Lauren's 37, went in there with just basic, straightforward, well-rounded striking, you know, jab, jab, right, Uh, jab, cross, or jab, cross, left hook. I mean, just standard, good stance, well-rounded, but got her first submission rear naked choke against an opponent. Um, and, and I got to give it up to the older fighters because, again, we've talked in the past, 40 is like a light switch. Uh, your body just kind of starts falling apart. Sorry to all our fans. This is a fact. Um, <laughs> the uh, But Lauren being 37, the girls tend to go a little bit further than the guys. 
Um, great job there. Um, jumping forward, um, Alexander Volkov versus Walt Harris. Uh, a front kick to the liver. All right. That was awesome. That was awesome. What an amazing. I mean, we're talking a guy, Alexander Volkov's, I think, 7 8 or 6 8. Six, almost seven, seven six, foot. Seven. Yeah. Six, seven, six, seven. Almost seven foot. Walt Harris is six five, not a small man. All right. But the power of these guys, like, it makes me feel bad that they're competing at 260, and I weigh more than that sitting here talking to you guys. I, I need to start training, really. <laughs> I need Ty and Z and everybody. But um, so these guys, I mean, a front kick to the liver changed his world. And the, the amount of weapons that the MMA gets to bring to the table versus just boxing, not taking anything from boxing. Right. Right. But there's so many different ways to get to the liver, and 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 wow, not not a whole lot of guys go down from a, uh, a front kick to the liver. But I, I'm pretty sure that's where he hit Walt Harris. Harris went down, couldn't finish. Um, TKO. Okay. Um, UFC 254 jumping forward. Robert Whitaker about Jerry uh, Cornier. All right, Whitaker's a badass. All right, and so. I didn't like the way he drops his left hand. His hands are down. I mean, when you're in a professional level, stop the showboat. Just get in there and do your job. You know what I mean? There's no sense to try to lead with your face, um, but I'm guilty of all of that. So I'm hypocritical <laughs> if I say I don't like it. Um, but Whitaker ended up pulling the win um, by decision. Now, I really like Conier's uh, front leg kicks. I mean, he was destroying the front leg of Robert Whitaker. And if he could have continued with that, that would have been great for him. He could have chopped him down. Um, jumping forward, Khabib versus Justin Gagey. Got to give it up for my Colorado boys. I spent a lot of time out there. Gagey's from Colorado. I think he does his training camps in uh, New Mexico or Arizona. I'm not sure. Um, but anyhow, he knows a lot of the same people I know. I had hope for him. What a badass fighter. But Khabib is, is a phenom. Wow. We've talked about this in the past. What an amazing fighter. The fact that he pulled a, a triangle choke with his legs on a D1 wrestler is just showing he's on a different level. I mean, it's hard to do that in practice, much less a, a real fight on a D1 wrestler. And Khabib yeah. just... And now, and then Khabib lost it after that, giving respect to his father. He wanted to go uh, 30 and 0. He made it to 29 and 0, and he ended up retiring, threw down his gloves in in old school fashion. Um, literally the best, you know, all he wants to be known as is the best pound for pound. He's going to retire. He's got some guys on, on on in his fight camp. They're going to do amazing. I hope to bring on one of my friends now that I'm down in California talk about those guys um, that are coming up on his camp. Um, but Khabib's going to retire. Uh, we had talked in the past how uh, GSP was going to be, you know, the only reason GSP would come out of retirement was to fight Khabib. Khabib was looking for the 30-0, but because his dad passed from COVID in July, um, Khabib's done, hung it up, uh, told his mother, you know, I promise this is my last one. And so hung it up before his uh, career goal at 30 and 0. So I hope he comes back in a couple of years once he gets past this. But the amount of athleticism that he showed to take down Justin Gagey at will and okay. and make him tired in the first round and then throw a, a triangle choke on a D1 wrestler was phenomenal. Phenomenal. So, and you know what I was really impressed with? I was really and, and Khabib is actually get he was actually getting better. It's funny he's literally retiring at the top of his powers because he actually was getting better. Uh, he was pressuring Justin Gaethje, who was obviously the more dynamic stand-up fighter. Yet Khabib was pressuring him and was arguably outstriking him. Justin landed some hellified leg kicks. But what Khabib has become really good at, even though his striking is unorthodox, he's become really good at rolling his head, rolling his shoulders, and dipping under punches. So he doesn't get hit 
a lot clean. He, he you know, is learning how to make people miss by inches. At the same time, the incoming that does come in, he takes a good shot, but it's, he's stoic as hell, and he keeps moving forward. And what he did is he made Justin fight at a significantly faster pace than he was prepared for. Justin's a guy with, in, like, endurance for days, but he wasn't prepared to fight at that fast a pace. Justin said himself, look, I'm, I got to stay off the cage. If I'm on the cage, I'm done. And you saw him make concerted efforts to circle as could be pressed. But the more he circled, the more it could be pressed. And he just drained the energy out of him. And the fact that he took Justin Gaethje down. And before round one ended, he almost had him in the arm bar. He would have finished it oh in about 30 more seconds left. He almost finished it in the first round with an arm bar. His positional awareness, his ability to put the dagger standing cuff on people. But what I've seen now, the growth it could be from being able to control people to being able to control, transition, and finish the way he did Justin Gaethje. Not a dynamic, you know, new guy, but a dynamic, proven veteran. For him to do that to Justin Gaethje was unbelievable. Then to retire was just like, whoa, whoa. Amazing. Amazing performance. Yeah, exactly. Boxing or MMA, anybody that can keep inside your pocket and not give you a chance to breathe and not get hit wow. is a dangerous human being. You, you know what I mean? We all got a pocket. And a lot of you know people that haven't sparred or, or, or trained don't understand that. There's a distance thing. And, 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 and Khabib was inside... Justin's now. Justin has some of the the most outlandish conditioning of anybody at that level. Right. And Khabib pressed him. Gagey was spent at the end of the first round, first five. I mean, he put, Khabib put so much pressure on him, being in his face. He's like that gnat at a barbecue that just won't go away. You know, it's still in your ear. Um, we've all been there. You, you know, and so that he was just right in his face the whole time. And the fact that you're right with the with the arm bar at the end of the first round, if he had 30 more seconds, he could have pulled that off. I mean, on a D1 wrestler that's been against some of the toughest black belts on the planet, and 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 Khabib was just playing with it. And then and they went into the second round, and then he finished with the the, the rear naked choke. I think Khabib just wanted to finish with a submission. To show that he's grown, as you said, Ty, as a striker yeah. and as a, a jiu-jitsu guy, because I think a lot of people underestimate Sambo compared to jiu-jitsu anymore. And these Sambo athletes are phenomenal. Yeah. And, you know, they, Steve was asked, what was the difference? Because Justin Gaethje you know, was an NCAA uh, one wrestler. Khabib was All-American. Khabib was asked, what was the difference between All-American wrestling and Dagestani wrestling? And, you know, the funny thing is I was sitting back listening. I was waiting for him to give this tremendous technical breakdown. And Khabib said relentlessness, basically. He said pressure. He said, I'm, he said you know, Americans wrestle, but are you ready to wrestle for 25 minutes? That's what he said. And that's what he did. Like, Justin Gaethje shucked off very easily the first couple takedown and grapple attempts in the center of the ring. But as that had to be the longest five minutes of Justin Gaethje's career that first round. Because, like, you could, you, could see, you could see the energy and the life just being drained out of him. And it went from him attacking to him essentially trying to survive. When he went back to the corner, Trevor Whitman told him that what he exactly needed to tell him, you got to slow it down. You got to slow down. You know what I mean? But he couldn't because yeah. he had to spend so much energy just to keep Khabib off. It's just, it was amazing. And because Khabib, Khabib was like one of those guys to... in the supermarket that doesn't understand uh, personal space and is talking so close to you that you can smell their breath. Like, yeah, Khabib, geez. you need to back up, bro. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and because of his ability now at this stage to be able to, to step in and pressure and roll punches, you know, he's not like a Joe Frazier or Mike Tyson with the bob and weave, but it's, it's akin to that, the way he's closing distance and avoiding your best shots outside of a few really hard leg kicks. But, you know, oh, everything Justin threw, though, was not landing clean. He landed a couple good left hooks. Khabib takes the shot, makes you miss the next three. Next thing you know, you're, 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 you 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 got to run to stay off the cage. It was, just, it was absolutely suffocating. 
that's what Gagey said. He's like, I just need to stay off the cage. You know what I mean? And and Khabib just tracked him down. I mean, like the predator. It was it was unreal. But you know, Khabib decided to to retire. So in the good aspect for Gagey, I say within the next six months they line it up. Justin Gagey will be the new champion at that weight class with Khabib retiring. I I I don't think I can argue with that. I mean, you know what I mean. I'll see that come in the next. We'll, we'll see that yeah. come in the next six months, and then we're and we're talking about you know uh, old retirees or you know segue into that. Um, Halloween yeah. night. That guy's going to come back, out. Now. I can see that. Bringing back Anderson Silva, one of our favorites. Yeah. Uh, he's going to fight uh, Uriah Hall on Halloween. Uriah, you know, Uriah came out of the gates was a phenomenal fighter. Um, did really good things. Everyone was stoked. And then all of a sudden he dropped off and didn't do so well. Everyone had their money on Uriah. Now he's saying he feels better than ever, but they're matching him up against Anderson Silva trying to make a comeback. I think Anderson is 43, I want to say yeah, 44. Anderson has gone on record to say this is going to be his retirement fight. He's actually yeah. said this is it, so we'll see. And Uriah Hall, he was the big thing coming out of, coming out of that season of uh, the Ultimate Fighter, but then he yeah, went, uh, spinning back kicks and stuff. Yeah, but he lost. You know what? He lost to Justin to Justin. He lost to Kevin Gastelum in the finals. Right. Uh, and, right. and you know, from that point on, the the book was kind of written on him. Um, he's, he's a dynamic fighter, but uh, he doesn't do well with pressure. Um, and you know, he's a guy who can kind of leave the bullets in the chamber sometimes. So. So I got to give it up to the, I'm always praying for the old guys. So hopefully Anderson Silva comes out, beats Uriah Hall, um, and then retires or whatever uh, on a happy note. But um, that's it for the UFC. I mean, we've got some other stuff, but you guys go ahead and take over the boxing because from here on out, it just gets gruesome. Oh, yeah. We'll uh, talk about the fracas uh, before we uh, go off tonight. Billy Joe Saunders, will he or will he not fight on uh, December fourth with uh, Martin Murray? What's your thoughts, Ty? Who knows with Billy Joe? I mean, he could very well, you know. But uh, I mean, Billy, who knows? Billy Joe sometimes just like literally doesn't show up. So, uh, mm-hmm. and when I mean doesn't show up, I mean as far as uh, something goes on, you know, he he has been fighting, but he hasn't been fighting the people he should be fighting. Uh, there's a good chance Billy that fight could come off with Martin Murray. Um, it will be a domestic clash, and they always have more uh, of an opportunity to to go ahead and come off and get done. Who so. work? Yeah, that, just tighten it all what up. You think? It all works. Yeah, what do you what do you think, Chris? I think that Murray's about six foot tall, isn't he? He's a yeah. tall guy, and and that, that that's his biggest asset. Uh, but I think Saunders, uh, Saunders' boxing ability, his movement, I think he's going to beat that guy. But Murray's not that agile a guy. He doesn't move well. He's easy to hit. He's a tough guy, though. But I'm going to pick Saunders in that fight. Uh, I can't believe he's sunk that far that he would lose to Murray. Uh, yeah. I, at least I hope he hasn't. I don't think he's going that low yet. We'll find out. You know, you'll tell him one fight what he's been doing. He hasn't. He hasn't been fighting. He's just messing no, around. We, we, and that's why they, you know, you, you give him Murray, somebody he'll beat. But it's a, it'll make some money in the UK. Well, I don't know because you yeah. can't have fans. But yeah, Mur- Mur- it's a yeah UK Murray. Class. Murray's a, yeah, he's an opponent. He's not not a exactly. You know, yeah. what, you, what you call him an opponent. But uh, I got to go with Saunders. I'm anxious to see him fight. I'm really anxious to see him fight. I like his style, the way he moved, you know, as a middleweight. And now, you know, once he's going to be bigger and stronger at six, at 65, he's going, to, he's going to be a hell of a fight. But I think he'll beat Murray easily. I don't think, even even with Murray's height, I don't think he uses his height well. I don't, he doesn't, doesn't take advantage of it. So we'll see. When is it, December? Yeah, December 4th. Yeah. Yeah, I, I watched a a a, a a a a an MMA match today. I think it was an MMA. A big, tall guy, about six foot eight, fought this little short guy. They were heavyweights. That big guy had to weigh two seventy five. I see, he was a giant, 
and he had no hair, and he was light, real light skin, real white. And the other guy was a swarthy short guy, and the little guy kicked his butt. He he, he went in there like a fighter, like a fighter would fight. He had a oh, broad back on hey, it. Hey, Bob, he's talking about Stephen Struve against Ty Piavasa. <laughs> we yeah, yeah, about right. Not a funny day. last name. Stephen Struve fought today. He looked yep. the same way against Daniel Cormier because the guy he fought today was at least 6'5". So he looked the same way about Cormier. Cormier beat him. And then he, just like you said, Ty, um, yeah, we were talking about that today. Phenomenal. That was a hell of a fight. Yeah. I got a kick. You root for the, for the old guy. I root for the short guy. I always yeah, root for the short he, guy. He, he, <laughs> he, he crumbled Stephen Struve, which, which is what I expected, actually. Uh, so it was pretty interesting. Yeah, Struve pulled it out tonight, but but uh, that was again another big guy. A lot, same thing with DC when DC fought him. DC I think is like five eleven, and he just manhandled this guy like six seven. You know the big guy. Like me, you know I'm well. Apparently the doctor said I'm six one now. I'm shrinking. I was six two at one point. Uh, you know about two seventy five. Like I, you know overweight, but yeah, you know not a not a small guy. Um, and, and, and when I come across these guys that tower over me, it's like, holy crap. But harder to beat than them are the tall, thin guys. Those guys are yeah. super strong. Yeah, they're big, big people. Sinewy. Yeah. This this guy today wasn't a I – w- I wouldn't consider the big guy a, a super strong uh, uh, guy. He was – he, he he was easy to hit. Nah. The guy was bullying him around the yeah. ring. Definitely and after a couple of good, never, good never head shots, to, good punches, yeah, he was he was gone. Stephen Struve used to tantalize the UFC, and you know about seven eight years ago because he was so young and so big. But he's never learned how to fight long. He's you know glacially slow. Uh, he doesn't take a great punch. He, he got on a little win streak. He got he lost, and he had a heart condition. He's just kind of never been able to put it together. And what you saw today is kind of what happens to him. He gets pushed up against the fence, and he, his chin gets cracked. You know, he's just never yeah. quite. The skyscraper's just never been able to put it together. Like an Alexander Volkov, who we saw who was six seven, was a former Bellator champion. Who knows how to throw combinations, and he, he's not the fastest, but he's just more technically sound. Struve backs up with his head straight in the air. How about uh, next week we have uh, Derek Tushora and Yusik. Uh, uh, what's your thoughts on that one, Ty? Oh, my God. I'm so looking forward to that. As I said earlier, Usyk is one of my absolute favorite fighters. I uh, have no idea how that fight's going to go because Usyk is still unproven at heavyweight. Chisora has been stopped a couple times, but Chisora cannot be deterred. And he will be the best heavyweight by far that Usyk has fought. Uh, Chisora has the kind of style that could wear Usyk down. Um, it's a very good stylistic class. You have a, a, a pressure fighter in, in Chisora against a smooth boxer uh, in, in Usyk uh, who doesn't have the, the you know, the most power at heavyweight. So this is something that unless Chisora were to catch him with a pretty lucky punch, uh, this is something that's going to go a bunch of rounds. Uh, and it's a very interesting fight. I couldn't even predict it right now. I'm pre- actually, I predict Usyk to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if Chisora won just because when Chisora shows up motivated, he's a tough out for anybody. So it's a very interesting mm-hmm. fight. Okay. Chris, what do you think? You know what? I'm not familiar with with the, with his opponent, uh, mm-hmm. and I haven't seen that much of of of, of even of Tasura. Saw him a couple times a year ago. Christ, he hasn't fought that much, has he? Has he uh, fought six months? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm trying to think. He got knocked yeah, out by so. Dylan White, then he had another fight, and uh, I forgot who he fought last. But he's coming off a of victory. Yeah. And Usyk had the heavy Alexander Usyk after he won the cruiserweight title, then knocked out Tony Ballou. He had the uh, he had that one heavyweight fight against uh, Chaz Witherspoon, who he stopped. But uh, you know, again, that was Chaz Witherspoon. So. Yeah. The um, I guess 
uh, November 14th, we get uh, Terrence Crawford and Kel Brook. Uh, what do you think on that one? I'll start with you, Ty, uh, Chris. Well, we've commented before. It depends on on the weight. What uh, what weight is Kel Brook going to fight at? Uh, he, yeah, it's at 147. It's 147, right? Yeah, is that what he signed right, up for, 47? Yeah. yeah, well, he doesn't, he doesn't do good at that weight. I think yeah, he'll get not beat. Not anymore. Yeah. I think, I think he'll get beat. I don't think he's going to win that fight. Uh, you know, you know, it's a curse to be heavy and, and have that. Uh, a lot, there's down through the boxing history, there's been a lot of problems with guys who couldn't make weight. When you can't make that weight and you try, you get weak. You lose yep. your punch. You lose everything, and you and you and you, you lose your confidence too. Um, it, it's terrible to to, to have to to uh, lose weight and fight below your your best weight. You're not at your best, so you're, you're going to get beaten. That's what's going to happen. He's going to get beaten, yep. and then he's going to have to move up to 54, where there's a bunch of killers. That's a tough mm-hmm. division now. And uh, I think he'll be out of boxing in a year. I don't think he's going to hang around much longer. Yeah, you know, Actually, I think that's a pretty a pretty good call, Doctor Chris. Uh, th- if this were the Kell Brook that fought Sean Porter, I would favor him to beat Terrence Crawford. I thought Kell Brook at that time was that good. In fact, when Keith Thurman was considered, uh, you know, was the undefeated two division, you know, uh, two title holder, he used to always say Kell Brook and I are the best welterweights in the game because he thought highly of Kell Brook. I thought Kell Brook was the best welterweight at that time. Then he moved up to 160, put on all that muscle, moved up to 160, got his eye socket broke by uh, Triple G, lost all that weight to come back to 147 to fight uh, Errol Spence. And, you know, in that fight, you could see he was gaunt. He was drained. He gave Errol Spence a good fight, ran out of gas, got his eye socket broken again. Hasn't fought at 147 since. Uh, actually had a fight around 150. Had a, he was fighting at 154. Had a catchweight fight at 150, trying to get to 147. Looked going and drained. Won the fight, but was running out of gas in the 150 fight. Kell Brook is now like 34, trying to go back to 147, a weight he hasn't competed successfully at since like 2015, against one of the best fighters in the game, of Terrence Crawford. No, he's not going to go well for him. I love the guy too. I love Kel Brook, but uh, uh, Special K is not going to do too well in this particular fight. Okay. You know, there's a certain point where if you go below below your body fat, you have to have a certain amount of body fat to fight. If you go below that, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make ten rounds or or twelve. You just can't do it. You can't overcome. You you need a certain amount of body fat, and uh, 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 that tall, thin guy used to have a hard time. Uh, Johnny Bumpus. Uh, oh, I remember the guy's... Bump City Bumpus. Wow, that's a name. Yeah, the yeah, he, yeah, he was so damn skinny at that height and weight that he he ran out of gas. His muscles went went dead on him. He would get cramps. Uh, hmm. Big Papa fought him. Uh, Big Papa from Upper Derby fought him uh, at the uh, Playboy Casino in uh, New Jersey, North New Jersey, and uh, Vic hmm. could have beat him if. Uh, if uh, he thought, you know, this guy's unbeatable, you know, he was a champion, but Vic could have beat him. And Vic never trained for that damn fight. But uh, Bumpus, uh, his his body went. Uh, you, you know, girls, if girls get below a certain uh, uh, weight, they, they can't menstruate anymore. If they get, if their body fat disappears, a lot happens to you. And, uh, and you just, you just can't beat, beat the, you know, the medicine. You can't beat the medical end of it. Mm-hmm. You know. Yes. Speaking so. of the medical end, Bob, you had a question for uh, for Chris. Do you remember that one? Um, oh gosh, no, the ear? Uh, Give me. Crack it. Oh, about the ear. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Doctor Chris, have you by chance seen? And if you if you haven't, please Google. Um, uh, let me see his name here. Um, in the in the Tara MMA, Ari Farias against uh, Johnny Campbell, C A M P B E L L. 
anyway, um, so I, I explained to the fans. So it's a 12 to 6 elbow, all right? So the difference between boxing and, and, and MMA, we have a lot more weapons. So a 12 to 6 elbow, if you're laying on your back and you go straight down, okay, it's like a clock on the wall, it's 12 to 6. Um, if you're on top of an opponent in the mount and you go straight down and spike that elbow, it's a 12 to 6 because it matches the clock on the wall. But you can throw that elbow when you're on the side or any other thing because the 12 to 6 only refers to the fact that it's on a clock that's hanging on the wall. So 52 seconds into the fight, the guy shoots in and takes him down. The other guy throws a 12 to 6 to the side, which is legal. Okay, the 12 to 6 hanging on the wall is not legal. Okay. But anyway, hits him in the ear, and then they continue to grapple for a couple seconds. Apparently, that one 12 to 6 elbow detached uh, 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 Johnny Campbell's ear. Um, and uh. they, oh my God, so gruesome. So gross. Like, I've, I've been in fights, like, I, uh, my comeback fight in, 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 in uh, 2000, what was it, 18, 17. Um, I, I, I was bragging to my students that I never got cauliflower ear. And in that one fight, he, he elbowed me so many times. It looked like my, my, my ear was going to fall off. And in the, the, <laughs> you know, I've got pictures of it. It was phenomenal. Um, um, but, uh, the, the, uh, it only takes about four pounds of pressure per square inch to tear off an ear, but one elbow strike and the sharpness of that elbow just about detached that guy's entire ear. So my question, I guess, was, I mean, we, we, we talked back and forth. I'd love to sit down with you for an afternoon and watch some MMA versus boxing. But, you know, we're bringing those extra weapons into the game. And the elbow, the fact that it can detach skin to that extent, it just floors me, you know. That's so my a, question is, the lethal, you know, the, we- the elbows are lethal weapons. I mean, I... I'm surprised they're still in and they haven't outlawed it. I think in the near future, as this as this sport gets more popular, as it is, it's gaining tremendous popularity. I think they're going to do something about elbow strikes, especially when they're on the floor and you smash the guy's face with with a downward elbow. Oh my God! You know the nose can't take it. It could break any bone in your face, and if it hits you in the ear, you're you're going to be. You could wind up being deaf very easily. The, the yeah. temporal bone, the temporal bone that covers the left side of the head. If you go look at a skull, uh, a skeleton, you can see light through it. I mean, it's so thin, and everything under there is fragile. It's a very easy way to get killed. Uh, yeah. uh, striking that temporal bone. It's so damn paper thin. So nothing would surprise me with with an elbow strike. Uh, I know. I know. When we were in school, we we were all amazed how thin the damn temporal bone was right above the ear. It just isn't thick. It's not made to, uh, you know, withstand a punch or a forearm shiver. You know, like you like they used to do in football. Uh, that used to hurt too. Right. Uh, well, you get screwed with a helmet, or you get hit with these boxing gloves. Even, even they're ten ounce. I mean, they drop them down to real small ounce gloves. And they got a little twist motion. They will tear skin really quick. But the elbow, I think, is one of the most dangerous weapons oh. in any game. Oh, it, it is. It is. They're dangerous oh. in football. Uh, very dangerous. I mean, you can knock a guy out so easily with holding your elbow out, out, and if he runs into it, not he goes knocks him cold. I, 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 I was a short guy. And when them big tall guys would charge into me, I, I put my my uh, hands to my chest and, and and my elbows were up. And this one guy, I'll never forget it from Marple Newtown. He crashed into me from the left side. He ran right into my elbow on his chin. He melted on top of me like a like a uh, somebody had put a, a piece of cheese on a hamburger. He just yeah. melted. He fell to the ground. He was out for about 20 minutes. You know. And and then I realized that Jesus, these elbows are dangerous. If you just oh, run no. into them, it's. It, no. I mean, ah. Uh, so, but that's why they got nose guards now because 
if you hit a guy in the nose guard with your elbow, it's going to hurt because that, those damn things are, are way a ton, those new, the new football helmets. My grandson's well, I, helmets I, are, are, are brutal. I'd rather be hitting the nose because they can replace that. I mean, you know, if they hit me in the teeth, yeah, you can I got to spend nose. a day. I, I, yeah, right. I got to spend a day in your office and I'll never look the same. <laughs> hey, hey, Ty, we got the we got uh, Dylan White against Pavek Vekinu on the um, um, the twenty first of November. What's your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are Dylan White was just knocked stiff by Pavetkin just a couple months ago, uh, mm-hmm. and I think it, you know it's a tremendous amount of uh, you know heart and fighter spirit. To you know, want to come back and avenge that loss, but it's awfully quick to come back from such a conclusive, concussive knockout loss. Uh, obviously, you know Dylan White was was controlling the fight. He had Pavetka down twice, had him hurt, was roughing him up, was clearly getting the better of it. Uh, one punch changed the fight. So obviously, both guys are capable, uh, quite capable of taking each other out. But again, it's just a very, very uh, quick turnaround after such a devastating knockout by, you know, the same opponent. It's very interesting. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of, of turnarounds, we got uh, after his uh, his win uh, last week, uh, Lopez said that he wants to fight Ryan uh, Garcia uh, sometime in the very near future or in early uh, 21. Um, what's anybody's thoughts on that one? Dan- well, Danny Garcia? No, Ryan, Ryan Garcia. Yeah, yeah Ryan's got to get by Luke Campbell first. So, mm-hmm. he, you know, he's going to – and that's one thing, you know, Tiafimo's saying is that, you know, he, he's one of the young guns, obviously. He said, you know, it's time for all the young guns to start mm-hmm. stepping up, fighting each other, and, you know, taking over the game, um, which is why he's calling out, a, you know, a Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, Ryan has his plate full with Luke Campbell. Uh, and, and that has to happen first, and he has to get by Luke Campbell to, you know, even portend to be uh, on TFMO's level at this point in time. Okay. Uh, Chris, you get, uh, Tyson Fury says he's going to fight on December 5th come hell or high water, but um, no opponent has been uh, named at this point in time. Um, who was that, Frank? Uh, Tyson Fury. Well, I, I can't wait to see him fight. I can't wait. I'm really getting anxious to see him fight. I want to see what he's got. Uh, if he uh, held, uh, if his mind held up, uh, you know, with all this uh, uh, boredom. You know, he's the kind of guy that strikes me as you better keep him in the gym. If not, he's yeah. a little bit crazy. You know, and yeah. I think that I'd like to see what's happened to him because Wilder is mentally affected by that loss. Nobody can tell me different. He's really upset yeah. about it. He, I think that's his biggest problem. He, he just can't believe he got beat, and he got beat good, you know. And I, and uh, and then the opposite of for Fury, he's one of those guys. That's he, he he's not he's not gifted with a, a high IQ. I got a funny feeling. <laughs> so <he> just, <laughs> and I think I think you got to keep him busy so he doesn't because you know he's, he's going to get himself in trouble. When he starts thinking, sure. then you got a problem. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, Ty, uh, but I'd like to see him fight. Ty, you got a choice? Uh, well, you know, first of all, I think what Dr. Chris is saying about Deontay Wilder is very true. I think that loss has really affected him uh, severely. Uh, Deontay Wilder's a guy who's very verbose. He's, you know, out social media. We always hear from him. It's been really quiet lately. And that's very much unlike him. So, you know, quite surprised by that. I think Dr. Chris is spot on by his analogy of how Deontay Wilder's handling this loss. And obviously, I said the same thing about Tyson Fury. He's not a guy who, who can sit idle. Uh, Aaron will have somebody for him to fight. It's just a matter of, you know, the contract. If Blondie has no contractual obligation to Deontay Wilder, then I could see him fighting potentially an Oscar Rivas who uh, Bob Arum signed for, you know, just an event like this. Potentially maybe, you know, to talk about maybe another rematch with the guy, Otto Valen, um, because they had a pretty entertaining fight because, you know, Tyson Fury had that bad cut throughout that fight, had to dig deep. Um, so I'm sure Bob Arum will secure him an opponent. 
as long as there are no contractual obligations to a Wilder uh, rematch. Okay. Um, what about, um, uh, and this goes out to anybody, um, Spence, uh, Earl Spence wants, uh, wants to fight um, uh, Alvarez, Canelo Alvarez, early in uh, 2021. Does anybody feel that that one that's a good fight, and two, if it will happen? No, it won't happen. And no, I don't think it'd be a good fight. I think uh, Canelo would dust him. First of all, Canelo is probably not even going to fight at 160. Uh, quite possibly, he quite possibly will be competing more so at 168. He said he feels better at 168 than he does 160. Errol Spence, last time we saw him. In the ring, he had a very, very tough fight with Sean Porter. Then he had a very, very bad accident in a Ferrari. So he's about to fight Danny Garcia. And before I would even consider him against a bigger, stronger, more skillful opponent, I'd like to see him take punches against uh, Danny Garcia first. So he's got to get through that fight. And to me, if if, if you, you you got to see where he's at because that accident was horrific. Uh, though he only had some facial lacerations and some, you know, dental issues, uh, we really don't know the severity of what it's done to his head, you know, its ability to take shots, um, and just what it's done to his psyche, you know. So I like to see him come back from that accident. And he's got much more work to do at one six at 147 before he could even think about Canelo. And right now, even though they're, you know, size-wise really aren't that you know, too dissimilar uh, as far as how far they are apart as far as size. They're just fighting at, you know, essentially two different weight classes apart now. So it's just not a, it's not a fight that's actually realistic at this time. Okay. Hey, Bob, um, I, I, Jonathan Martin. I, oh, I, go ahead, Chris. Uh, Frank, I was going to say if, uh, if, uh, if he fought uh, at 154 and fought with the younger, the uh, smaller Charlo, I think he'd, He'd lose. I don't think he could beat I that agree. guy, let alone jump yeah. jump up to, to to two weight divisions. Where the hell is he? Sure. What's he been eating? What's he been smoking? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. He's dreaming. Yeah. He's dreaming. Yeah. Don't yeah. put the pipe. Hide the pipe and forget about fighting Canelo. You know? yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought Charlo Hide up the because bomb. Eddie Hearn's trying to get Charlo um, matched up with uh, Andretti for early uh, 2021. Does anybody think that number one will that happen? And two, who would who do you think would be victorious? Which which Charlotte? The old, the bigger one or the smaller one? The smaller one. It'd be the bigger one, Doctor Chris. The bigger one? Yeah. Yeah, it'd be the one sixty Charlo because they're they're both one sixties. That guy's a big man for his weight. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he's he's a big man. You know, some people have light bones. Some animals like a fox. A fox's bones weigh nothing, and they run like like you can't imagine how fast they can run. And the same thing with a fighter. You see these gigantic guys, all muscle, and and uh, uh, big bone. You wonder how in the hell does he weigh one sixty, or how does he weigh one forty seven, as big as he is. And and mm-hmm. that Charlo, he's big, and he's strong, yeah. and and mm-hmm. I think he's a formidable opponent. I don't mm-hmm. I don't I'd like to see him. Clean up the uh, middleweight division uh, soon. You know he's he's got to fight a a, a top middleweight and 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 kind of establish a name for himself because he could be one of the old he could be a, a damn damn you know pound for pound uh, fighter. He could be he could be up the top there. I think who who's mm-hmm. beat him? He lo- he lo- he never looks bad. Knocks everybody the hell out. I think he's a tremendous fighter and. Uh, uh, you know, let alone uh, uh, the, the, the Wilderway wanting to move up and fight a, uh, a guy that would give him a hard fight. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's just nuts. So, go ahead. Sure. Ty? I, I think, first of all, it'd be a great fight to make. Uh, Demetrius Andrade is, is one of the you know better fighters out there, obviously. He's kind of a boogeyman at 160 in the fact that Nobody wants to fight him. He doesn't bring any money in. We talk about this all the time, and it's you know kind of the curse. He's too good for his reward. He doesn't bring enough reward in for the trouble he he's going to give you. He's a six foot 
to rangy southpaw who kind of stinks out the joint and nullifies, you know, what you got going on. He and Charlo, you know, there's been talks about, you know, he and Charlo should fight each other. It's a fight that Eddie Hearn has been trying to make. The problem is Charlo's with PBC, Eddie Hearn is with Dazzin. I think it'd behoove, it would behoove Al Heyman and Jamal Charlo to take that fight. That'd give them a big scalp on their resume. I think at this point I'd favor Charlo, although slightly, and I wouldn't be surprised if Andre were to beat Charlo, but I favor Charlo because, like I said a few weeks ago, to me, uh, you know, fundamentally, Andre has, has regressed a little bit because he hasn't been fighting uh, even the Charlo level of competition. Charlo's been fighting better competition, being as though he just beat Sergey Derevchenko. Andre has fought no one that good at middleweight as of yet, so that'd be an interesting fight. Uh, it's just a tough fight to make because of the whole political thing. Um, you know, Bob Arum sometimes and Oscar De La Hoya, believe it or not, have been able to work together and make cards. And Eddie Hearns been able to work with Arum and De La Hoya and get fights done. But nobody's really been able to work with Al Heyman outside of uh, Bob Arum and, you know, the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder fights. Eddie Hearns has had no success drawing the Charlo brothers into the ring. He's been trying to do it for a while. Actually, he offered them a contract at one time. Both of them turned it down to stay with PBC. Uh, but he's never been able to lure the Charlos into the ring for any of his fighters. And I don't see that changing with Demetrius Andre. Okay. All right. Well, we just got a, a, a notice here that uh, we're coming to the end of our hour. And I appreciate it. Oh, wow. That was fast. Yeah, it was. That was fast. Uh, it was a fast. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, um, Chris, I know you're, uh, you're just waiting to go out and have your dinner, and uh, I hope you. Uh, I'll send <laughs> yeah, up, a, up the uh, drum. Yeah, I'm going to uh, send up a uh, uh, box of buckshot, and I'll send up a, a bottle of uh, two buck chuck. <laughs> um, and uh, we can all. <laughs> Once in a while, <laughs> I'm right. I'll be eating that crow all week. I'm sure. <laughs> Hey, I've been wrong so many times in my life you can't imagine. <laughs> my buddies make fun of me. They said they could have paid their house off, been against me all their life. You know, so I win one once in a while. I like to sound off. <laughs> you might think I know what the hell I'm talking about. You know, yeah. might fool a few people. <laughs> sure. All right, guys. I'll see you next week. All right, right, we'll have some fun. All right, buddy. Take care. Goodbye. Bob, thanks for everything. I appreciate your uh, your, uh, looking all that stuff up for us and uh, giving us the uh, updates on everybody. Um, My pleasure. A couple guys guys I want to ask you about for next week. Uh, One of them uh, is uh, um, Jonathan uh, Martin and the fact that he uh, says he's getting no respect from Dana White. And uh, <laughs> Tony Ferguson and, and Michael Chandler. So uh, all right, catch me that stuff. I got go. TBI. I won't remember that tomorrow. Love you guys. See you next week. Thank you guys. Thank all you, right, Ty. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, guys. All right. Hey, Ty. You want to lead us out? Hey, it's been a great show. I always enjoy talking combat sports with my brethren. Everyone have a good week. Bob is our co-pilot. Coach Mel is watching over us. Take care. I appreciate everything uh, you guys do for the, the show, Ty. You're always uh, up front with everything, and uh, we um, we really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, these programs are dedicated to uh, uh, the memories of uh, two of the best people in the world, Bob uh, and Mel. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces. And the women, men and women, police and fire services. When you're out there, you see somebody, and I'm sorry, I also forgot the uh, first responders on this COVID-19. Please, when you're out there, please wear your mask. Let's try and stop this thing. Uh, these programs are dedicated to those who lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazwitz, uh, Sergeant Thomas Batinger, Patrolman, <coughs> excuse me, Patrolman Anapo Crispin, Lakeland PD. Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Hendler, Lieutenant Mike Zerber, Newcastle County Police, Chief Al Hogan, Longwood Key Police Department, Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department, 
Highway Patrolman Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrolman Brian, Mer- Brian Lazaro, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrolman Brian Murphy, Plymouth Township Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department. Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Office. Deputy Chief Mike uh, Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman Robert Jermaine, Windermere, Florida Police Department. Trooper Chelsea Richards, <coughs> Florida Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department. Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department. Hillsborough Deputy, Deputy Sheriff Charlie Kotloff. Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department. Sergeant uh, Rodney Bond, Delaware State Police. Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Artith Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. Special Inspector Vinny Galaccio, Delaware the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. Delaware State Trooper Corporal Stephen Boward. Uh, Kissimmee Patrol Officer Matt Baxter. Kissimmee Sergeant Sam Howard. Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy Bill Gentry, Island County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Clay Zerber, Clay County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Natalie Corona, L.A. County Sheriff's Department. <coughs> Deputy April Rodriguez, Pasco County Deputy Sheriff. Officer Bob McKetchen, uh, Biloxi, Kentucky Police Department. And Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, at some time will be 10-10 at the day of the Lord. Until that time, may the roads rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields and the sunshine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families always in the hallow of his hands. Good night, God bless, and have a great week.
ambulance responded to his last emergency. May God bless his soul.